Hey, hey, what's up, y'all? This is Carlos Harlow, and thank you for tuning in to the Trigger Point podcast, and that's Trigger Point with an E. Don't forget the E. And today's episode, My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me, is very special. There's no way I could do this podcast and miss talking about this topic that we're going to talk about today. And that is mental health. Uh, that is a huge undertaking to even dive into that topic, what it means, um, what it means for different people. Uh, and then when you throw the pandemic into the mix, uh, that just adds a whole nother layer to it all. So before we get started, I would like to do a brief introdu introduction for a very special guest that I'll have joining me to talk about this topic. Uh, she'll be offering her thoughts on it as well as her views from a professional's perspective. And I have known LaMonica, who is my special guest. I've known her now for, oh God, I think it's been like 18 years, uh, ever since I've moved to Dallas. Uh, so quite a long time I've known her. And so we've recently kind of reconnected here. And so when I thought about this episode, I thought she would be a very special and person, uh, special and, and great person to have on the show. So I want to go ahead and open up the line and have LaMonica uh, introduce herself and just tell us a little bit about her. All right, and I believe we have LaMonica on the line now. Hello, Carlos. Hey, hey. <laughs> hello, LaMonica. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's You know what? It's funny because I know we've been communicating like through chat and Instagram, but um, mm -hmm. it's so cool to get to actually like hear your voice because I haven't talked to you in forever. I know. It's been so long. Yes, yes. A very long time. And before we get started, I have to give... Congratulations. Uh, now you are Mrs. Ross. So definitely <laughs> congratulations to you on that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Definitely. And um, so just for the listeners, uh, before I turn it over to let LaMonica talk a little bit, and introduce herself too. Um, so for those who've listened to the show, you may have remember I mentioned before, I'm originally from Houston and I moved here to Dallas in 03. So it's crazy. I was thinking about that on the way here and it's, and we've known each other for like 18 years, like as long as I've been in Dallas. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I came to UTD. LaMonica was one of the first people I met, you know, real chill, real cool person. She's an Aquarius like me. So, hey, of course she's going to be cool. <laughs> So, um, again, this, this topic today is about mental health. Um, so before we dive into that, LaMonica, I just want to turn it over to you and just, if you can just introduce the listeners, uh, to yourself and anything you want to share your profession and hobbies, anything you want to tell us. Okay. Well, thank you again for the invitation. Um, hello to everyone listening. Uh, my name is LaMonica now Ross. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas, um, originally from Houston, attended UT Dallas um, from 2001 to 2005. I majored in psychology there, 
um, waited a year and then received my master's degree in professional counseling. Um, ended up moving back home to Houston. There's no place like home. Um, <laughs> right. And went through all of the long process to become fully licensed. And now I have a million jobs, um, including doing um, individual assessments and crisis intervention in a jail um, or correctional setting. Wow. I also work in a program, um, criminal courts, to assist defendants who have mental health and or substance abuse issues to hopefully avoid felony convictions. And then just recently, I joined Masterpiece and Wellness um, as a contract therapist providing individual therapy. So I work all of the time, but it is my passion. Um, and so it doesn't feel like work. Um, huh. Outside of all of the jobs, I love music, movies, sports, um, and just having a good time. Nice, nice. Okay, well, you you definitely, even just with your intro, you've given me uh, some good questions to kind of have in my back pocket to ask uh, as we're going through the show. But as you can see, for those that are listening, uh, there's no better person I could think of really to be on this show um, because of your professional mm-hmm. background and and what I knew we were going to be talking about uh, today and the and the seriousness of the topic, which you know we can make it lighthearted too, but definitely this is a topic when I thought about this show. Uh, this was the first episode actually that came to mind because I thought there's no way uh, that I could do a trigger point show and and that type of talk or podcast without addressing mental health. So just to get started, um, I'll let you all know, and, and LaMonica, I'll let I'll chime in or let you chime in too on this, and you can feel free to be as transparent as you want or, or whatever you'd like to share. But um, I know for me, I think a lot of times when you hear of professional counseling or therapy or anything like that, I think sometimes the stigma is people think, or this is what I used to think, uh, that you had to have this incredibly traumatic event happen in your life to need therapy or need counseling. And as I've learned and just gotten older, life experiences, I've learned that's not the case. Um, One example I'll say, and this is just something I had noticed over time, just how anxiety and things like that just kind of build up. I noticed that before I switched to the job that I'm working now, my previous job, um, mm-hmm. I was getting really anxious. And I think the pressure of the job and then working from home, there was no separation. It was just like work, work, work. And then when you finish work, you're at home. So it's still, in a sense, kind of felt like work. Right. And so yeah. it's funny because you mentioned music and I love music too. And that's one of the things that's always been kind of like a soother for me. And I remember I would start playing. I love water, too. So I would just start playing like water sounds to go to sleep. And the first night I did it, I didn't realize (laughs) that I was doing it because I needed to relax. I just it was a random thought just popped in my head. I did it. It's like, oh, okay, slept pretty good that night. You know, I'll keep keep doing it. And then it would kind of alternate between the water sounds and then I would start listening to um, Sade, which is funny because I didn't even appreciate her music until probably I was in my 30s. Um, 
And so <laughs> I would listen to that every night or either the water sounds. And so then I started testing it and I stopped doing it for two or three nights and I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. And I didn't realize it, but it was, I think that was a way for me to see how the anxiety was creeping in slowly and I was just functioning through it, but it, you know, it was still there. So I, I just, one, one of my questions to you is throughout this time and through the pandemic, because I feel like it has impacted everyone in different ways. Uh, but did, do you feel anxious during this time or have you felt anxious during this whole pandemic time? And then especially because of your profession, because I would imagine even though it is your passion, it probably draws a lot out of you. So I guess it's a two part mm -hmm. question. Like, have you had those anxious moments? And then if you have, what do you do to recharge or how do you make sure you're still, uh, you know, fulfilled to give so much to people? Right. Okay. So definitely first I have dealt with anxiety almost my entire life, um, like diagnosable generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and so I've always been nervous on edge. Um, and so the pandemic absolutely exacerbated those feelings. Wow. Um, at first it was a little bit comforting because I get more anxious in social settings and around other people. So for the first couple of weeks, being home by myself, it was nice um, oh. to not have to deal with the crowds and the attention and the people looking at you. Um, and then it, the anxiety rushed back um, because of the seriousness of the virus and not knowing, you know, how would I know if I had it? What about my relatives? Right. Um, how can I stay safe right now? Um, and then, you know, one of my work settings is they're both essential, but one of them I had to go in person. So then I'm going into one of the most dangerous places being a jail to go to work and not knowing if I'm going to encounter people who have the virus. Um, you know, for the people that were in jail, visitation stopped, um, programming stopped, um, classes stopped. And so their anxiety level ramped up really fast. And being the staff who was there to hopefully help them with their needs and help them cope, what can you say to someone when you're dealing with the same thing that they are? Right. So right. it was absolutely difficult to just get the energy to talk to people. Um, and sometimes, I, and I'm very blunt and honest, um, in, in work and personal life. And I told them, you know, I really don't have anything I can tell you that will make you feel better. Wow. Um, and I'm sorry. Um, you know, we can sit here, I can listen to you vent. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. You can complain about whatever you want to complain about. Um, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to be upset with what you say. Nothing you say will hurt my feelings, but I can't, I can't give you coping skills because you can't do them. You can't go outside. You can't um, see your family. You can write to them. You can talk to them. Um, if all of a sudden you're not in contact with them, we don't know if they're sick. Um, other people, you know, had relatives going into the hospital. You can't visit them. You can't see them in person. Um, during the pandemic, I had relatives going into the hospital. You know, you literally drop them off outside and you have to leave. 
Um, So as far as recharging, it was a lot of quality time with like my core group of people who, um, you know, I made myself like a little pandemic bubble of people that I trusted to see in person, Um, you know, a handful of people, including my mother, um, that I said, you know, we're going to make this work because I cannot, you know, be without this. Right. to continue to function. So my, my pandemic bubble, bubble of people, um, cutting my work hours off when, when it was time to finish work, I absolutely stopped all working, um, yeah. watching movies. I, I decluttered my whole house <laughs> because I was here every day. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, I learned to fall in love with my house <laughs> because it was kind of, I was always coming and going, coming and going. And then I'm sitting looking around like, okay, if you're going to be here, 24 hours a day, you're going to have to make this a, the safest haven and the most comfortable place that you have. Um, just like you, I listen to white noise or, you know, rain, waterfalls to go to sleep. Um, so anything that was just positive and healthy and then allowing myself the moments to be upset, allowing mm. myself the time to cry, um, I know, you know, you didn't really bring this up, but pandemic on top of, you know, the Trump era, trying to grasp on to its last hope (laughs) on top of the, you know, over, you know, indulgence in the media of all things police brutality and Mm -hmm. all of that together was just a lot. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, I think that there were layers of things that we had to deal with. Like, like you said, just the pandemic itself, um, being at home. I love how you use the, uh, the pandemic bubble because I had that same thing too. It's, it's like certain people that I would, I felt comfortable maybe going to eat with or maybe going to their house and eat or, or things like that. Um, and then, mm-hmm. like you said, the police brutality, the election, it was just, woof, it's, it's like, I feel like these last couple of years, it, it we'll never forget how we felt through each of these moments. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Was, yeah. I don't think we'll ever forget that. You can write a whole history book or a yeah. whole history class <laughs> just for 2020. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's true. 2020 by itself deserves a whole class. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's, you know, you brought up another good point too, that I wanted to touch on. Um, I felt at some points of the pandemic, I felt like, I guess you could say a little guilty, if that makes sense. Because okay. in the beginning, I grew up an only child. And so, to be honest, the first maybe even six months of the pandemic, I was loving it. Because I thought, okay, other than maybe, you know, not being able to see people as much as I wanted to. But me being by myself is easy because you know, it's it's just, you know, just me. So, um, Mm -hmm. that part wasn't too bad. And I started thinking when I did realize those anxious thoughts creeping in, I thought, Oh, that brought a whole new perspective to me because I thought, okay, if I'm generally cool with being by myself and I'm feeling anxious, then I could only imagine people who may have a personality where they want or need to have people around them, or even if they enjoy their own company, but maybe they had a shorter window of time to enjoy that than I did. 
before they started feeling anxious. Um, so, you know, I'm curious to, you mentioned, uh, because I think your realm of counseling is a whole nother level because you mentioned, you know, the jail system and all of that. So mm-hmm. how, what was your road like getting into that? Or was that a space that you knew you wanted to be in or did it just kind of fall in your lap or ex- exactly like how did you get to that road in your career? Um, I think over the course of time, I have always fallen into what I consider the more difficult places um, and emotionally draining places to work, which is um, very ironic for me to be such a sensitive person. I cry about everything. Um, So I don't know how it happened. Um, I know that when I was in graduate school, I was working full time. And so I had to complete an internship to complete the degree and in working full time that drastically limited the options of where I could do my hours. And so one of the only places that was open was a place called Denton County um, Children's Advocacy Center, um, which is a county resource for abused children to receive therapy services. And so that kind of was my first jump into what I call, you know, the difficult and emotional part of the world. I did that for a year, um, graduated, had, you know, a cute little admin job because that was the first person to hire me. Um, and then I worked for Child Protective Services. Wow. Um, how do you work for Child Protective Services in your 20s? You know, I didn't have any children. I, you know, I learned how to put car seats in my car because I worked for Child Protective Services. Um, the next job I had after that was a foster care case manager. So I was visiting foster homes, visiting with children, helping, you know, maintain whatever they needed in their homes. Um, I worked with persons transitioning out of homelessness into their own residences. And then I finally got my first full-time mental health job working for um, the Dallas County Mental Health Agency, which is called Metro Care Services. And so it's always been like what I consider, you know, the almost the forgotten of society, the people dealing with severe problems. Um, and I had an affinity for it. And I had, um, it came easier to me. Um, hmm. I think I operate well under pressure and in chaos, <laughs> even <laughs> though on the inside I'm screaming. <laughs> on the outside I look composed. <laughs> so that's where it started. And so um, when you graduate, you have to do postgraduate hours. Um, and I would you know, I've been searching for a year trying to find a position and someone called me for an interview from the jail and I had never been in the jail before. Um, I was very shocked and surprised the first time I walked in. I assumed that everyone would be handcuffed with officers and it was almost like a rec center, people just walking around. Really? And I was like, this is how it works. Right. right. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm a young woman, single, I'm like, what am I getting myself into? Um, and then I fell in love with it. Wow. So I've been working, you know, in different capacities with them for nine years now. Um, and then it branched off into the court system, which gave me another perspective of the whole uh, mental health and corrections and how that um, interacts with each other. And honestly, if I had just a regular office therapy position full time, I think I would be bored. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm excited and I'm happy. And I, I get a lot of good feedback from people that I see. 
Wow. That's awesome. That's wow. Okay. You know, you, you touched on something that I was going to uh, mention when you talked about mm -hmm. how you appear calm and collected because it's surreal listening to some of this because the LaMonica that I've always known, like I've never <laughs> seen you lose your cool. You've always been, you know, real oh, chill, I'm real laid back. <laughs> and, and I know you, you, I know, I'm sure you've had moments where you've, maybe lost your cool or, or maybe you feel like things are falling apart. But I think that's yeah. just a testament to your personality because I've never, like I said, I've just never seen you lose your cool. And even to hear that you would even battle with anxiety to me, it just seems like, no, nah, it can't be, you know, it, because, you know, oh, every wow, time I see you, you. yeah, you, you've never, <laughs> you've never given off that vibe of like anxiousness or, you know, anything like that. Yes, I'm severely anxious. Um, it's gotten so much better over time. I have my own therapist, um, and I love her so much. Um, even when I used to public speak, um, you know, at UTD, I was the president of the chapter of Delta Sigma Beta Sorority Incorporated. Um, that's, that's and right. I had to do a lot of, you know, speaking for the chapter, and I hated it. <laughs> Um, and everyone always said, oh, you did such a good job. My hands would be sweating. My heart would be pounding. And I would see in my mind, I could hear myself just talking a mile a minute. But to everyone else, they said, no, you sounded fine. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I would be out of breath because my heart would be going so fast. Wow. And see, yeah, I never knew that. I mean, I, I can definitely relate because I don't like public speaking either to this day i don't really care for it i'll do it if i have to but i never knew that you had those feelings because all the times that i heard you speak i i mean none of that that ever came through yeah and so i'm trying to be more deliberate in sharing that with people um because i guess especially being a black woman there's a stereotypical oh strong black woman nothing mm. scares her she's fearless she has everything together. Her life is so smooth. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's <laughs> mom crazy over here. Right. Don't be, you know, don't have these misconceptions. I don't want you thinking that, oh, you know, she's something, you know, I, I am something special, but I'm not something, you know, that it might appear to be. And so I deal with the same struggles that other people do. I relate to a lot of my clients, um, even the ones in jail. Um, and they, a lot of people are surprised when I tell them certain things. Huh. Um, I have definitely lost my cool more than a few times, and I'm not proud of it. Um, <laughs> one time in the jail, I was yelling back and forth with an inmate <laughs> really? down the hallway. I don't know. It was just one of those days where I was just, you know, and it's someone who I had dealt with on more than one occasion, and she was, um, you know, trying to, like, touch buttons and, and switches on the wall and in one of our rooms we had a panic button in the event that someone was getting out of line and we need officers to come quickly and she acted like she was about to push that button oh and it was like ma'am i really you know we don't need officers running down here because they might tackle you on accident you know i really and you know she just cussed me out and oh and it just it just wasn't the good day and i was like ma'am <laughs> If, if, if you if you have something that you want to say, you can come a little bit closer. If you if you feel a frog, you can jump. <laughs> it, it, was so, it was so so inappropriate. And but she kept walking away. And I mean, I'm yelling down the hall like, you keep saying these things to me, but you're walking in the opposite direction. Right. And like you, if you if you're gonna say all of that, just come over here. Right. Right. And this may not be 
<laughs> y'all don't listen to me for what I'm about to say because I'm not a professional. But I do feel like sometimes with some people, in order for them to really get it, you do kind of almost have to go there because I've I've had to do that too in certain situations because yeah. most people think I'm like super cool, super. And I, I mean, I am laid back. I'm very calm yeah. Yeah. and it takes a lot to get me to that. But, oh, but once I'm there at that point, it's like, I'm there. <laughs> it takes a lot to get me back. Right, exactly. right. <laughs> and like I said, I'm not an advocate for that. It was completely out of line, but <laughs> I'm still human. Right. And if she would have walked back, I would have lost my job that day and I was prepared. <laughs> right. <laughs> Q's nuck if you buck in the background. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> one thing I do want to go back to earlier that you said that I think is so key, and it's actually you brought me to a question that I had that I wanted to ask you too. And you mentioned mm -hmm. about people seeing you as uh, a strong black woman. And when we talk about just strength and even in your profession and dealing with um, you know, you've, you've dealt with children who have been in and out of, you know, CPS and things like that. And then also, um, with people that are in jail, do you think that sometimes society has a way of thinking that certain types of people are so strong because they've been through so much and they've weathered it that, almost and this is kind of harsh to say but almost as if mental health doesn't matter for them because because it's almost like yeah. you know we know you're going to snap back because you've done it countless times again and again and again do you think those people are those types of people are more prepared per se for maybe things like the pandemic that maybe some people who haven't been through some of those hard times or is it just all um, the same? Um, since I am one of those people, it, it is, it's been hard because I have been through a lot of things and yes, I've been resilient. Yes. I have come out on top in the end. Um, yes, I was able to manage and make it, but every day I wasn't making it. And yeah. everyone doesn't always see the struggle. And then when you try to tell them about it, and, you know, they mean well. They don't have any ill intention, but it's almost like they don't believe you. Right, right. And if you, if you ever do, you know, I'm one of those people who used to never ask for help. I'm still a work in progress, and I'm doing better. <laughs> um, I was, you know, I think, I don't know, the memes that go around, you know, hyper-independence is a trauma response. I was independent because I couldn't depend on a lot of people to do anything. Mm. And so when you start to ask someone for help, they look at you like, oh, no, you got it. What I do you mean? you mean? Right. If I had it, I wouldn't ask you. And <laughs> even if I could do it, can you please help me? And the immediate response is usually, oh, no, you can handle it. Um, and I love my mother. She's my best friend. She's, she said that to me before when I asked for help for something. Really? She's like, oh, you'll be fine. Um, when I moved back to Houston after I lived in Dallas for 10 years, I didn't have a job. And, um, I was, um, talking to my mom and trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? I had savings, but I didn't want to spend it all. And I was just so stressed out because how am I going to, I've been looking for a job for all these months. I couldn't find anything. And she was like, oh, you have a master's degree. You'll get a job. 
<laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's the support that you provide for me? Right, <laughs> is, right. Oh, you have a master's, you'll be fine. <laughs> but ma'am, I'm unemployed. <laughs> right. <laughs> How is that going to help me today? Right. <laughs> not helping me today. <laughs> so I think people just get used to seeing, especially, you know, the strong people. And not to say that asking for help is not strength. It is. Yeah. Um, crying. Yeah. There's strength in that. And I think society gives us just this horrible vision of, you know, strength versus weakness, and it's not right, and it's not true, and so we kind of feed into that with each other, not realizing it. Yeah, I think that's so, so key, what you said, and I've had that same experience that you said, too, about people think that if you have uh, certain things in life or certain education that, oh, this means you're supposed to make X amount of money, or you're supposed to have easy times with jobs. I know, like, right after I got my master's, the job that I ended up taking was more so in my passion or what I wanted to do. And the trade-in to do that was I had to take almost a $10,000 pay cut because they, yeah, they, they looked at it as if, well, that's great that you have the master's, but you don't have the experience, which I didn't. I didn't have the experience in the mm -hmm. field. So I think that's a misconception that people have. And that can be mentally exhausting trying to, to, you know, face the reality of that because it's like, I've, I'm mm -hmm. just now catching up and maybe surpassing what I made in 2016 when I stopped working at this one company and, and switched industries mm -hmm. all because wow. I was chasing something that I would, which I don't regret it. But, you know, because mm -hmm. that was my passion, that's what I wanted to do. But that was the trade-in. And it didn't matter that I had a degree. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you, I mean. Companies will try to undercut you any way they can sometimes. Right. Right. That's true. And so one thing that um, is crazy, I have so many questions. I feel like if you could hear my brain right now, I'm like sifting through. <laughs> <laughs> all the questions I want to ask. So one one thing that I definitely want to ask, um, especially I want people to hear this from you before we uh, definitely way before we close out um, is why do you think that people have such a hard time making the first step in getting professional help. And I, and I'll even throw myself, <laughs> I'll even throw myself out here, you know, as an example, okay. I've said for two, probably the last two or three years that like, Oh, it would be good for me to see a therapist or a counselor. And I think it goes back to that idea of, yes, I've had traumatic things in my life, but I haven't had to me, and maybe this just goes to the whole strength thing, because a lot of stuff I just feel like, all right, you just got to get through it. Just almost like you don't have time to worry about how bad this situation is. Just get through it. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's played a part in it or what, but I feel like I, in some ways in the past, my thought process was, well, maybe I haven't been through enough to really seek therapy, which okay. I know you that's probably and I have written the whole list. <laughs> <laughs> Just that bad. <Okay. laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and it's it's um now it's to the point to where I I keep you know and even having discussions like this, I think okay, well, you know, hey, maybe this is something I can do. Um, I know one thing. I'll just be honest and just say for me, uh, just finding a person that I would trust enough or mm -hmm. feel comfortable enough to be so vulnerable and just feel like I could just put everything out on the table. I know that's probably one thing that's held me back from actually making those steps to do it. Um, even though I know it would be helpful, but I just want to hear from your standpoint and from a professional's perspective. Um, what are some of the reasons you feel people just hold back from getting therapy or getting counseling? Okay, so buckle in because I've got a, a bunch of little points. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try to highlight them and not go into too much detail unless you ask me to. <laughs> so the first overall one that I see, no matter the you know gender, socioeconomic status, um, culture, race, is I'm not crazy. Mm. So mm, people, okay. I guess the society's view or the media's view or entertainment, you know, movies and television, the view of mental health is someone in a straight jacket in a mental hospital, hearing voices, seeing things, not in touch with reality. Um, and that's all of the extent of mental health education someone would have unless they're in the field. Um, so everybody has told me at several levels. I'm not crazy, so I don't need to see you. Um, <laughs> I don't like the word crazy. <laughs> and I tell them that, you know, it ain't about to be crazy. I'm not crazy either, but I have a therapist, so let's talk. Right. Um, so that's one. Um, and that, I, I guess, goes into the stigma of what mental health looks like. Um, it is often viewed as a weakness, as an inability to function, um, as, you know, there's something wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with me, so I don't need to reach out. Um, when he talks about, you know, I've been through things, but it's not that bad. Um, I have had that experience personally myself as well. Um, we compare our traumas to each other. And yeah. we compare our lives to people that we know, people that we see on TV, people in movies, and we minimize our difficulties and we say oh you know i'm not homeless so why am i stressed um i'm not hungry so what am i complaining about um like you talked about in the pandemic you know it's like well i'm comfortable being at home by myself so why would i have a reason to be uncomfortable if i'm okay with this um your trauma is your trauma and my therapist has had to tell me she told me this for a month straight before i actually accepted it wow. um because, you know, we were going through, you know, the rundown of my life. And she told me, you've been through a lot of traumatic things. And in my mind, you know, counselor working in traumatic places, um, <laughs> it didn't compare to them. So I was thinking, no, it wasn't traumatic. Right. But watching how it affected me and what, you know, my response to all of those issues were, um, just to throw some out, you know, divorce, um, parent using drugs, victim of domestic violence. In my mind, it wasn't as traumatic as homelessness, being in jail, losing children, um, but it was traumatic in my life. So it counted, right. um, but we, don't, we minimize our own difficulties. Um, men in general, um, 
toxic masculinity. It is taught mm. to men, you know, you don't cry, you don't be sensitive, don't be soft, um, suck it up, be a man. Um, but men have difficulties too. It's not just women who have struggles. Uh, men absolutely have stress and have anxiety and get depressed and get angry. Um, what are they supposed to do with those feelings? You keep telling them to bottle them up, that's not helpful. Um, and when you tell a man he's soft for talking about his feelings, he's not going to talk about his feelings. Hmm. So how do you get help if you're not going to talk? Right, <laughs> you're <right>. not going <laughs> That's true. Um, let me see. Persons of color in general um, have a distrust of system, medical system, um, because of the history of how we have been treated. Um, you don't know who to trust because historically we haven't been able to trust them. So why is it now okay that this person wants to talk to me and go into my history and possibly give me medication when you have not, you know, been working towards my betterment for all of these hundreds of years? Um, so that's a hurdle. And then the last thing I wrote was spirituality. Um, I am Christian. That's a big one. <laughs> and knowing, you know, the history of people's households that say what happens in this house stays in this house. Mm -hmm. um, just pray to God. God can handle anything. Um, you don't need to talk to your pastor. You don't need a counselor. You don't need a shrink. You just need to talk to Jesus. Um, yeah. Jesus gave me my gift. And I'm thankful for them. <laughs> um, if you broke your arm, I mean, there's somebody somewhere who's just going to want to lay hands. But if my arm is broken, I'm going to go to the nearest hospital and let them handle it. Right. Um, emotional pain is not much different. Sometimes you need a professional to help you handle it, and that's okay. Um, I love the T-shirts that say, you know, you need Jesus and a therapist. Right. It's okay right. to have both. <laughs> I promise you, the way I function, my gifts are God-given. So he wouldn't give me this gift if he didn't want me to use it to the betterment of his kingdom. So... Why would you discount that as the help that he is providing for you? Mm. So, wow. okay, that's enough of my rambling. No, 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 <laughs> no. Those are great things. It, it was a couple of things in there I, I wanted to, um, well, really, I mean, all of it if, if we had the time, but a couple <laughs> of things I, I wanted to kind of um, dive in a little bit deeper on. Um, you're so right about the situation when you said um, that comparison game. Like you compare yeah. your life to others and you think, oh, okay, well, I'm not going through that. So it must not be that bad. And then even, I even found myself during, doing that during the pandemic and even still uh, to some degree, because you hear about, um, you know, I, I just, for example, I know you had mentioned like domestic violence and things like that. And I know like October mm -hmm. is, is it, I think it's the national domestic violence yeah, awareness. Domestic month. violence awareness. Mm -hmm. So, I, that was, that was thinking about things like that. That was a big deal for me that I felt like I did kind of suppress my issues because like, if I'm like, let's say if I'm having just like a really crappy, um, day at work or maybe crappy week or month. And I had one point at work where I kind of like blew up at my ex boss. And at that point I'm like, all right. And this was virtually. So I'm thinking, okay. Oh, this wow. is, <laughs> yeah, we had this back and forth. And I just thought, okay, I, I got to, I have to find something else because I'm a big believer in 
Like if I'm uncomfortable in my own house by my own doing, that's okay. But you're not going to make me feel uncomfortable in my own house. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because of a job situation or whatever, or, you know, whatever's anything like that. But I do think about, and my heart goes out to people who have been victims or are victims of domestic violence. And I feel like things like the pandemic, it only magnifies or intensifies intensifies that because where do they go? What do they do? Because, you know, they're stuck at home oftentimes, you know, with the abuser. Um, yes. And then I feel, and then you kind of internalize it. I feel like I'm always overanalyzing things. And then I, I'll think about situations like that. And then I'll be like, well, I don't have to deal with that. So, you know, my little problem is nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think but your problem is your problem. It's your life. And if right. it impacts you, it's important, you know, and I, I think about um, also with children, um, it's a whole another conversation, but, you know, disciplining children and, you oh, know, yeah. like toddlers having temper tantrums, that's their inability to sometimes identify and manage emotions that they're feeling, but they're not at a cognitive level to be able to do so. And oftentimes the adults in their lives are looking at these tantrums with the perspective of a grown adult and thinking, mm -hmm. why are they falling out in the floor? Why are they screaming at the top of their lungs? Well, that's their reality. It's impacting them in that way because that's their life. That's all that they know. Right. You can't compare that to a 10-year-old in the same situation. It's not the same. And so your life and your circumstances are not the same as mine. We would, you know, maybe have things that overlap and things that are similar, but your, you know, difficulties are not diminished at all because mine might be in a different category than yours. Right. It's still pain. Huh. That's true. That's true. I, you know, and one thing I'm curious about too, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this as we move, I'm speaking positively here, I guess, move out of this pandemic. I know we're still in it, yeah. but it's not, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, you know, it's, it gets less and less intense over time. Um, and the mm -hmm. numbers just continue to go down and I'm believing one day it'll be zero. I don't know when that'll be, but, um, right. as we move out of things like that, and as we move out of certain injustices and like p police brutality and, you know, now we're not having to worry about the stress of the election and all this types of things. As we move out of stressful situations or situations that cause us anxiety, um, I kind of like to think of it almost as if someone who's trying to maintain weight loss in a sense is because I've always found it's, it's easy to, or not easy, but in comparison, it's easy to lose the weight, but the hard part mm -hmm. is maintaining it. So yeah. what would you say to people or what advice would you give to people who are listening that maybe they've already made the first couple of steps, you know, maybe they have reached out to a therapist and maybe they're trying to find out, you know, who they feel comfortable with and picking the right person. Uh, maybe they're already in therapy sessions now mm -hmm. um, and doing counseling. Like what are some ways that as people move past and move out of traumatic events that they not only maintain the progress that they've made, but still make strides, you know, as they go along. Okay. Um, first, finding those 
activities, um, people, and things that feed your soul and feed your spirit positively. Um, finding, you know, what we call coping skills, um, healthy ones. Um, sometimes people start exercising, they start reading, they have support groups, um, they start eating more healthy. Um, finding something that you can do regularly that is like maintenance on your car. You just, you, you bring it into your routine and you try to keep it there. Um, therapy is absolutely a great maintenance tool. Um, I tell my clients um, a lot. Sometimes they come to session and they'll say, oh, I don't have anything to complain about this week. And, you know, we don't have to complain every time we meet. <laughs> right. You know, if you're, in a, if you're in a good, positive place right now, then this is a great time to reflect and say, hmm, how did I go from the stressful time to this time? What did I do um, that I can give myself credit for, that I can identify tangibly to say, okay, in the event that I start slipping, I can return and continue to do these things that had worked for me before. Um, so that's definitely good. Um, and just, just trying to stay positive. Um, every day is not going to be a good day, and that's fine. Um, be kind to yourself, be gracious to yourself, um, identify what triggers you um, as you move through and you get, you know, past or through some of the difficulties, you start to recognize things that, you know, how do you know when you're bothered? How do you know when you're sad? How do you know when you're angry? And you can start to identify those things sooner. Um, almost like red flags in relationships. You know, you have a few bad relationships and you can recognize it a little bit sooner. <laughs> yep, that's true, right. <laughs> the next time one of them jokers comes in your face. <laughs> and so, you know, listening to the signs that, you know, the, the, the universe and the earth and your body and everything is telling you and paying attention to it and trusting it. Um, don't, you know, start doing real well and then say, okay, I'm going to stop everything. Um, work in, in, a, in a plan to kind of maybe taper some things down. I know that um, at one point I was in therapy every week, and then I stepped down to every two weeks, and then it was every month. Um, then it was kind of like a check-in here and there, um, and when things kind of got a little more wacky, I would ramp up the sessions a bit again. Um, that's something that worked for me. Um, and then maybe having a good support system that you can identify um, people who are honest with you, who um, care a lot about you. I have friends who can tell me, like, okay, you, you look like you're, you're getting in a stressful place again. Are you sure you're okay? Um, because sometimes That's you can't good. see it yourself. Right. So having reflective, caring, loving people in your circle who can be there for you too. That's awesome. As I think it's really cool that you mentioned healthy habits too because oh, oh yeah. yeah there's a lot of unhealthy habits that yeah. feel good in the moment right <laughs> yeah like I, eating yep yeah eating from yeah shopping. that was mm -hmm. yeah yeah shopping eating drinking yeah that, that drinking one had me right before um i would say right before the end of 2020 i noticed okay. um i have this uh wine rack it's and it holds six bottles of wine so i get a lot of wine just shout out to trader joe's in case y'all don't know they have great wine <laughs> that is really cheap <laughs> so yeah, reasonably priced <laughs> yes so i would go and i would buy you know i would buy like a couple of bottles of wine and it, it, at the time it really was innocent because i was like oh i'll just fill up my um 
the carousel, the wine thing at the holder. Mm -hmm. And so I started noticing it's like, dang, I'm going through this wine kind of fast. And I really did have to sit down and it sounds, it, it, I mean, it may sound weird to people who are listening, but I noticed that I was going through wine a lot faster. Now, during this whole time, I wasn't drinking hard liquor. I was just drinking wine. And so I okay. think that's how I was justifying it because I was like, well, you know, a glass of wine is okay. But I was having like right. sometimes two or three and then like on a weeknight. And then I'm like going through these bottles like kind of quickly. And I had to actually sit down and kind of put pen to paper and figure out, okay, well, okay, I had two glasses of wine because this happened today and I felt like I needed to take the edge off. And then it got to be this pattern that I was doing it all the time because I needed to take the edge off. And it's like, well, what is this edge yeah. that I'm trying to take off here? Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's why you, you can reach out to people. And sometimes in therapy, you can get to the point where you can understand what is driving that, yeah. that behavior. I know for me, it wasn't drinking, um, but I love, I mean, I love food. I love me too. And ice cream is one of my favorite things. Yeah. And it, in 2020, you know, pandemic time, it got to the point where I was eating ice cream every day. Like huh. buying whole pints and eating them every day. Right, right. You can't eat ice cream every day and try to be healthy. <laughs> right, right. It's hard. Yeah, you can't do it. I don't it. care how much working out you do, how much chicken you eat. You don't gain weight. Right, right. And it was like, okay, LaMonica, stop buying the ice cream. Right, right. But I didn't want to. And then it was like, I would tell myself, but I, but why not? Yeah, you I can, can do what I deserve I want. it. Right. <laughs> like, well, who cares? I can eat ice cream every day if I want to. And then I, I finally got myself together. <laughs> but it took a while. And it was just because I was, I was sad. I was just sad. And I, I could just eat some ice cream and not think about anything but how good the ice cream tasted. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like you get to escape for that moment that you're indulging in whatever it is you know yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so i have one final question for you um i'll answer this too but i'll let you go first uh so what is one thing that you've picked up during the pandemic or it could be you know from 2020 this year uh maybe a healthy habit or something that you've picked up or started doing that helps you relax it helps me relax. Um, a bunch of things. I started being more intentional, like with meditation. Okay. Um, I downloaded a couple of apps. Um, Calm is one of them, and Seek Tuition is another one. Oh, Calm is really cool. Um, I like that one. Yeah, I love Calm. And then uh, Seek Tuition is a little bit like deeper. Um, but trying to do that. Uh, I should be doing it every day. I'm not there yet. Um, but just taking the time to just sit and be still. I think that was maybe the biggest lesson that I got out of the pandemic was to sit down um, mm -hmm. because I would just be busy, um, not always productive, just busy. Um, and, you know, pandemic comes, I didn't have nowhere to go. <laughs> right, so right. <laughs> I had to learn to sit with myself. Um, and so... Just taking the time sometimes, even not even of not meditating on an app, just sometimes I'll wake up and I don't turn the TV on. Um, sometimes I'll drive and not turn the radio on. I'll just sit, you know, in the quiet time. Hmm. 
um, and just appreciate the quiet time, um, especially even with my anxiety, my mind still races, um, but not as much. And in the quiet time, I kind of just pay attention to the thoughts that come and let them go as well. Um, and it just it helps me to be more in the moment in life. Um, and I enjoy life more now. Huh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I um I'll say you know definitely I echo that uh, everything that you said I, I've definitely tried those things too. Uh, one thing that I've done uh, started last year. Well, actually, one of my friends kind of pushed me into this. Is I've started collecting records, uh, vinyl, which I do have to ration that because it can get expensive. <laughs> but um, nice. yeah, I love like so now I, I have like my records and I have like a pretty nice size collection now and so a lot of times i'll just go to the record store and sometimes i might not even buy a record but just going through you know looking i like people watching too so sometimes i'll go and believe it or not it's relaxing to me to just go look around and then even kind of see what other people are picking up and like what they're talking about as far as like you know some of their favorite records and things like that and then Mm -hmm. i even um i read a this book has been out for a while, but I read this book earlier this year, and it really has kind of changed the way I think of things. It's called Atomic Habits. I can't remember okay. the name of the author. It's slipping, he's slipping my mind. It's a guy, but I can't remember his name. And so basically he talks about um, habit stacking, and basically you pair things that you don't want to do with things that you do want to do, um, or just pairing habits and stacking habits in general. Um, and so sometimes what I'll do is I might put on a record or I might listen to a record and then I'll tell myself, okay, during this 45 minutes or this hour or whatever the case is, I'm only going to focus on the record. I'm not going to multitask and do this and wash clothes and clean up or work at the same time. I'm just going to do just that. And so sometimes that I've noticed that's really been helping me too. Um, because it's doing something I enjoy and then also just giving my mind a break from having all of these like multiple thoughts and actions at the same time, you know, just kind of giving my mind a break. Yeah, I love that. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you. it's a cool book. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'll look up the book and then I'll send it to you, but it's, it's a really cool book. I think you'll like it. Um, like I said, it's been out for a while and I can't remember the guy's name, but it's, um, I actually listened to it on audible. Um, but from what I've heard, the physical book actually has a workbook that you can work through too. Um, yeah, Yeah, so you might like the workbook better. And actually, to be honest, I'm thinking about buying the book myself because I liked it that much, just the audio book. Uh, so I've been oh, thinking wow. about okay. getting the physical book too, but it's um it's it's really cool. I think you will like it. Okay, yes, I'm I'm interested in that. Nice, nice. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and and wrap it up here. But thank you so much, Lamonica. Like I said, this went. I mean, I knew it was going to be a great episode, but it even exceeded my expectations. And like I said, this just proved like all right. I knew I was on the right track because, like I said, I was hoping that it was going to be you. So that's why I kept blowing you up. I was like, all right, what about this day? What about this day? <laughs> Thank you. And okay. And for all of the listeners, 
I was deathly afraid. <laughs> yes. I've never done a podcast. I was scared I was going to have to be on camera. I said, are you sure it's not video? Are you? <laughs> what am I going to talk about? What do I need to say? <laughs> he just kept saying, it'll be great. It'll be great. It's no help. It'll be fine. And that's all I got. So all of this was in the moment. There was no prep. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Of course. Um, I'm now I'm not as nervous anymore now that it's over. Right, right. <laughs> but I couldn't it, even was, tell. it was a lot of fun. And I, I do, I mean, like it is a passionate area of, of discussion for me. Um, and this was a very good conversation. So I appreciate you sharing your platform um, and lending it to the mental health discussion. Ah, well, thank you. Thank you so much again, LaMonica. I appreciate it. Thanks for for joining us today and for all of the listeners i hope you take or you took everything in uh that was said especially from la monica's end like i said she's the professional so i'm just giving my two cents here and there but definitely take in the things that she mentioned and take time out for yourself don't beat yourself up and uh one great thing you had so many great points la monica but uh the one point that i really want to drive home that you mentioned is basically the thought or the idea that your trauma is your trauma so whatever you've gone through um you know don't compare it to anyone else or don't minimize it because that's your experience and that's part of what makes you you so you know don't minimize it but thanks everyone for tuning in and until next time peace Bye. all right <laughs>